And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. I realized, yeah, it is Halloween and we're not dressed up, which I'm fine with. But it was like all of a sudden I was like, I think that's what you're supposed to kind of do on these things, <laughs> but it's like, hey, it's a podcast. It's not a, it's not a visual medium except for the people listening right now. Well, yeah, I I was sitting <laughs> in my house all day. I'm not going to be in a costume all day. That's when people are like, why are you wearing a hat? Or the questions people ask, like, well, I've been. Uh, you don't understand the scramble that happens between like when this late games end and when we start this show. So yeah. no, there's no, there's no getting ready involved. Especially we pray no for the Sunday night game to be boring. Exactly. We pray for it, <laughs> so we don't have to pay attention. <laughs> Today was the first day, first year we've had trick or treaters. So I had Same. so much candy in the house because I was ready. I was ready to make those kids happy. I was like, no one is going to go away wanting more candy from this house, which means I have just been eating candy all day. I have eaten so many peanut butter Snickers and Reese's peanut butter pumpkins today, which, by the way, the peanut butter to chocolate ratio on the Reese's shapes is perfect. The cups are too much chocolate. The shapes, though, are amazing, and you just pop them in, and I guarantee you I've eaten at least 50 of them today. I think it's So I have the, people just take that into account as you listen to me over the cause, next hour. Because the ridges, I think, just, you know, they take out a little bit of that extra peanut butter to I, chocolate I totally ratio. Agree. I think, and then, so you get the full shape, no matter what the season is, whether it's like the Easter Bunny or the- or, The trees. And, uh, the trees for Christmas. Yeah. So I think that's what it is. So you get the proper, you get the proper fullness. And so I, I think that's what they intended. And they're, they're just trying to save money in like 1932, like Hershey's was, and they just <laughs> chopped out that little part. And so like, this is our, their way of giving back in the holiday season. They're evolving, which they deserve some credit for that. They they're do. getting better. They're progressing. They had they're, a bye week. They adjusted. <laughs> <laughs> We're putting off the start of the show because I don't know what to talk about after the, the week that we just watched. Here's my question. After taking in week eight, who's good? Uh, Who the hell is good? Especially in a certain conference. I was so just about to say. <laughs> with that question kind of lingering over us after another wild kind of confusing week eight, here's how I wanted to do the first 15 for this show, which is the way that we start off every single show. Like an NFL team has a first 15, our first 15 minutes are how we open things. I want to do power rankings for each conference. I want to do the best five teams in the NFC and the AFC and see if we can actually do this because I don't have confidence in our ability to pull this off. Let's yeah. start though 
with the NFC because in my mind, that's much, much easier to do. So I why don't so you, too. after week eight, give me your top five NFC teams as you would currently rank them in this okay. very moment. And I do want to reiterate, me and you have not discussed this. We have not talked all. about this at all. At all. We just knew we're doing top five. Okay. My number one is the Rams. And I, that is my number one team overall. And I'll just spoilers. Number two, and this was tough because I'm deciding between two and three. Number two, I have the Bucks. Number three, I have the Packers. But that one is tight. And then I'll go four Cowboys. And I'll go five Cardinals. And then if six is Saints is the, the honorable mention. How about you? This is so fucking annoying. Because people always complain. People always complain about how we always agree on everything. And this was a chance for us to disagree about this. <laughs> I have the exact same five teams in that exact same order. I changed the Packers and Bucks. So maybe that could be our little like <laughs> discussion friction. That's, yeah, that's so annoying. Okay. Walk <sighs> me we through. All right. Let's let's start yeah. with the Rams. Okay. Why do you think that they are just a slight smidge above everybody else in the conference? I think if you're just talking whole team, they can win in different ways. And also on offense, I really don't think they have limitations. I think yeah, they, they have keep no add, Yeah. I think they keep adding to their offensive repertoire every week. And it's like, oh my God. Like what they're doing on offense is so much fun. Just the empty stuff, which we've talked about, but then just everything else they're packaging together. They're starting to get better with the run game as far as putting it more out of the shotgun. And it's like, oh, and this is just every week. They just add a little, add a little sprinkle to it. And it just like gets better and better and better. And so it's really cool to watch that offense. And defensively, I still think they're uh, with the new defense coordinator. They're kind of figuring out exactly what they want, but it's still good. It's good so enough. I mean, with yeah. the offense playing like this, it's more than good enough. Exactly. And they can create plays like they can create turnovers and they can withstand just kind of body blows where they just like, okay, we got beat right there. They adjust. They adjust to what offenses are doing, which is so important as the season goes along. I just think they're the most complete team in the NFL right now. I think that's totally fair for me coming into the season. All the enthusiasm about that. My question was, how much better can the offense be if the defense is going to take a step back? Yep. And the step back they've taken is pretty much what I would have expected, yep. right? You go from being the best defense in the NFL to a middle-of-the-pack defense. Yes. Could the offense make up for that? The offense has more than made up for that. They're the best offense in the NFL. They're the most yep. efficient offense in the NFL. They're arguably the most explosive offense in the NFL. So they have more than an, they've gotten more than enough out of that side of the ball for them to make up and whatever decline they had offensively. So any enthusiasm people had is warranted with this yep. version of what the team looks like. I also have them at number one. I have the Bucks at number two just because I f- still feel like the Bucks offense is, is a machine. Yes. Like they had a couple hiccups today, but I still feel like that Bucks offense, when it's rolling, the level of talent, how well Brady is playing, that team right now, to me, is just more complete offensively than the Packers are. I have the Packers at three because I was impressed with the way that they played on Thursday. I was impressed that they could win in a different way. Right? Yes. I was just very impressed. That, all right. We don't have Devontae Adams. Our passing game is broken. Yeah. We're going to roll out this offense with two running backs doing two very different things, and that's what we're going to center on. Our offensive line still isn't healthy. They still have a place to go, and I think their defense, they're getting contributions from guys I didn't necessarily expect. So yes. I think they're still – and I think the Bucks defense is going to get healthier. Like yeah. when the Bucks defense gets their guys back in the secondary, I think that's a big thing. But those are my three, and I think the Cowboys – I think the Cowboys are right there. I do too. That's that I want it like when I was knocking those off, it's not like I said two and three, that's tight, but it's like, it's not like a teardrop. 
it's like it's more like just you know th- that's a smat. Those three teams are like all in in it together because I think those are all three good teams. And you think the the Cardinals are just a step down from all of those? I yes, I think they are a good team though. Like they've legitimately the and JJ Watt injury does hurt. It's I the volatility think. to me. Exactly. I just think that there's so much more volatile than those other down. four teams. They're, like, they're just down. not when when the Packers even when they were struggling on offense, I still feel like they had a place to go on Thursday night. They could go yeah. to certain things. It's like all right, we're gonna run the ball just down your throat like we yeah. can be this even with our offensive line not being at full strength and that imp- that's impressive to me cowboys the same way today just like all right yes. we have some guys that can make plays their defense stepped up and i think the cardinals are just a little bit more volatile than that i think the yeah. saints are a step outside of that group yes. i think they're def- they're right there i mean they're probably gonna make the playoffs we'll talk about them here in a minute but that's my five that was easy for me to do that was and it's like and this is the western conference because we're about to get into the eastern conference of the NBA afc coming up <laughs> Is a disaster. Not, <laughs> not even that's. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying that trying no. to do this exercise for the AFC is miserable. Okay, yes. who are your five AFC teams? Okay, one is Bills, two is Ravens. All right, and th- this is where I go askew. I go three. I go Patriots. I go Ooh. four. Yeah, I knew that would be spicy. Four. I go Titans, and then five. I go Chiefs, and but honestly, there could have been about. Four three other teams there that I so who are the other teams oh uh i went okay i went raiders Bengals, chargers after that okay we have the same <laughs> top two teams we have the bill okay, okay. Let, let's all right first of all let's walk through yours why okay. do you think the bills are still number one? Oh man it, and honestly it's like it's hard to like say it, it, like they are the number one because they're the one team that has shown they can win in different ways they have shown this defense i trust this defense like even if the Titans game, they're not going to play the Titans every week. The Titans are a bad matchup for them, but they're not going to play them every week. They might play them in the playoffs, but it's, it's, I think this defense can hang with anybody. Just how they win. They have so many good players. They win by soundness. They make you beat them. And no matter what, they'll be in every game. And offensively, Josh Allen is still Josh Allen doing these things. He is the whole offense. And that's what they've tried to really figure it out on offensively. It is disjointed. They're trying to live in the spread world, um, which does, limit some of the stuff they're doing. And I do think these teams that play them often, the teams in their division, the Chiefs, the teams that repeat play them, um, um, the Ravens or, or, or the Steelers, I'm sorry, other teams that have repeated and play them are starting to have some more answers. So I think really for them, that's hard. This is my number one team and I'm already talking about stuff that they have to improve upon. The MC teams, it's like, oh, look at these fireworks. Oh, look at this. Oh, that's a blue one. That's a red one. This one's like, oh my God, it's like firecrackers just going off. But it's it's just with this Bills team, it's, they can win in different ways. I, I've seen this offense peak. It's just this offense, I think, is going to be up and down because they're going to have some bad matchups. Just how they went, want to win the spread. A bunch of little receivers. I, I, it's mean how I say that, but they do win against man. They can do that, but it's just it's just how they're built. There are some we haven't seen them hit the level they were on last year. We have, we have not. not seen that eruption. They're winning in different ways. Yet. Yes, they're winning yeah. uglier, and I think that's a good thing. The yes. fact that we haven't seen their offense really hit its stride and they've still been a top 10 offense by most efficiency metrics, right at the edge of the top 10, but still up there. And they're winning all these games ugly, I think is good. I think that's a sign that if we can win, even when things really aren't clicking and the rest of the teams in the conference continue to kind of struggle and flounder in all these different ways, that's a good sign for us moving forward. Yeah. I also have the Ravens at two. Okay. I don't know what my exact reasoning is. I, my Here's my reasoning. I think that of all the players that we're talking about here, I still, and of all the units we're talking about here, I still feel really good about the Ravens offense overall 
because of what Lamar can give them and what the yes. running game is, even with the concerns about, I mean, their talent at running back right now is so limited and so obvious. Like you just can't, if we had running back it's one hard. notch higher, the, the running game would be supersonic the way that it's been in, in years past, but it's not that right now. The defense to me still has great games. They can still find great games. I'm still worried about the secondary. I think ultimately it will, it could doom them, but I don't feel that much better about any of the teams behind them. So that's why they're number two. Like it's not a good argument. I'll admit that it's not a good argument, but I don't have a better argument for anybody else. I, it's so funny how you said that you're like two and I don't feel good about it. Cause it was like, I put them two and I was trying to go sort through this. And I was like, I think, and this is my first note about the Ravens. I go, Put the next seven teams in a blender. It's just chaos. I feel like the same way. Is. That's what just whatever. It's it, this is so, AFCs could be this how it is. All these teams are going to sort out as they're getting on buys. It kind of like some are going to take leave. Some are going to just hang here. This Ravens team, we know what the negatives are. Like you just said, this the DBs with the the pass coverage is a little little dicey week in week out. It's like yeah, up front they have kind of some nice pieces and they're doing some good things. And then offensively, we know the offensive line limitations. Like they're playing yes. better. They are playing better, but it's the not tackles great. still concern me, though. That's still it, not, just in the back of yes. my mind. It's like haunting me. And this, the corners and the tackles are haunting me. Those are not two spots that you want. Yes, weak links. And this yes. is a team with weak links at those spots. And it's just still the number two team in the AFC. Yes, I know. And I know. And you're like, oh, and that's the thing. It's like, well, Mark can just go supernova, and then you're like, yep, there they are. That's the Ravens. But it's like you never know what they what you're going to get every week. I don't have the Patriots in my top five. I understand why <laughs> you put them in there, but yeah. so I have the Titans at three. To me, it's just – I think the offense is finding its footing. Yes. To me, they have they have star power. We're going to talk about that. I think A.J. Brown being back and looking like A.J. Brown is really big for them. They even have Julio today. I think that they're finding themselves offensively. They're going to get better on that side of the ball. Their defense, they have a couple guys who continue to make plays. Harold Landry made plays today. Kevin Byer made plays today. We'll talk about that. So I, I just – but I don't feel good about that. And I have the Chiefs at four. Because I don't feel good about anybody, so I might as well put Mahomes in there. That's it. I'm never betting against them. So it's like, all right, I got to throw them somewhere. (laughs) Even if they have the worst defense in the league, and we're confident they're going to have the worst defense in the league, in my mind, in a different world, let's say we're in a place where the Ravens are more complete, where the Browns are the team we thought they were coming into the season, where the Chargers aren't having some of these issues offensively. Then this version of the Chiefs wouldn't deserve to be in this conversation. Correct. We we wouldn't be talking ourselves into, oh, well, the turnovers will come back to earth. They still move the ball. There's no way this turnover differential and this turnover rate can continue. And when that normalizes, even if the defense is bad, they'll be fine. I wouldn't be doing that if I thought there were serious roadblocks from other teams in the AFC, but I don't feel that way. So that's why it's easy to talk myself into putting them in this group. Even yeah. with the way that they played and even with what the record is. Yeah. And it's like even the other teams I was like considering, like, okay, Raiders. Oh, yeah. But they just literally fired their head coach. And it's like, yes, they're improving, but that team has its blemishes too. I just think they haven't played anyone that's really like kind of abused with their, uh, with some of the stuff they do defensively and stuff like that. So it's, it's like, I exactly, I'm the same way you are. My only note I had for the Chiefs was just like, I'm not batting against Mahomes. I'm not yeah. batting against this team that has, proven that they can do this and i get it the defense is atrocious but it's like they improved the last week they played they're playing tomorrow night i think they might just blow them out of the water and we just go oh yeah that's right they can do that uh, keep saying that though and then it doesn't know, happen I but it, again i even bet on it on a friday show too <laughs> if there was 
if there was a different situation, if there was the landscape of the conference was different, I wouldn't be making such a simplistic argument. I wouldn't be going back to this well. So I had the Chiefs at four. I had the Bengals at five. But okay. to me, whatever. You could have the Bengals there. You could have the Chargers there. Yeah. I think the Browns are still probably somewhere in the conversation. We'll get to them. They're not playing very well, especially on offense. But I do think it's so muddled that you can put a bunch of teams there. Why do you have the Patriots as high as you do? I have, I, From what we've done on the Friday shows, we have now watched the Patriots a lot. And it's like what they're doing, with, they're hanging with good teams. Not only yeah. just like the Cowboys and stuff like that. I think they are improving week in, week out. Their defense is kind of – they're not doing anything that Bill Belichick has never done before, but the pressures they're bringing are different as opposed to maybe doing their uh, uh, all mugged up, oh, the the Sam Darnold seeing ghost kind of pressures. They're doing just the one-off ones where just one guy comes. They're playing the man. From different places too, from the slot sometimes, from the linebacker spot sometimes. Yes, they had a real fun one. We'll talk about them in a sec. But but the drop eight stuff, like, and then just offensively, I think they're figuring it out. Like Mac Jones was pushing the ball and every week he pushes the ball just a little bit more. And that was my main blemish with him. And it's like, okay, cool. Like they're, yeah, the guys aren't super explosive, but they do enough. It's a nice, you know, nice mixing of role players. Uh, but I could see that offense just improving weekend, and especially with the offensive line getting healthier as well. It's just hard for me to buy into their ceiling. I mean, I you know. just think about the playmaking talent that some of these other teams have, and they just don't have that. You know, when they they need something, when they need an explosive play, when they need somebody just to kind of be above and beyond, I just don't know who that is on their roster. And I just think that their ceiling offensively is limited in, in ways that other teams in this conversation aren't. I don't know what to make of the Bengals. I mean, I just I don't either. It, it's such a confusing time for every single team in the AFC. I think that's why we want to do this because it's really hard to sort through them. The question I want to ask you though, how many teams in the AFC would be the second best team? How many teams in the NFC would be the second best team in the AFC? Four. I think it's four. Yeah, I everybody that that the Bucks, other top Packers, five. Cowboys, Cardinals would yep. all be the yep. second best team in the AFC. Yep. I agree with that. It's it, it truly it's the Eastern Conference. I mean, that's what it is this year. It's the like NFC NBA playoffs Eastern are gonna be a bloodbath. Oh, <laughs> I know. Every single game is gonna be incredible. It's gonna be awesome. Oh, every matchup is just gonna be ooh, ooh. Like <laughs> not not none of those like just blowouts where uh, no offense, but like the Saints Bears game last year <laughs> where you're like, oh, I know how this one's gonna finish up. I'm sure that these lists will not look ridiculous in two weeks when we have oh, to no. do this again. I'm, I'm sure that these will hold up extremely well because it's been a very predictable, normal season where everything has happened about on schedule and about the way we assumed it would. Exactly. Everything is just, you know, trajectory straight upwards. That's how it is week in, week out. All right. It's time to talk about the things that grabbed our attention this week. Let's get to you have my attention. Gentlemen, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. We all know during an NFL Sunday, just a wall of stuff coming at you. And sometimes it's hard to pick out what mattered, what didn't. Every week we like to go through three, four things that just kind of made us stand up and take notice during a Sunday, during an afternoon. And I want to start with the New Orleans Saints defense, a unit that we talked about coming into the week and one that made enough plays against an offense that we love with the Bucks to come up with a huge win. Yes. And it's one of those where it's like, yes, we didn't jinx them because it was like, (laughs) it was like, yes, there we go. We covered a team and they played great. I mean, we've done it before, but the, this, it was interesting to see. I, I, last week, starting with the Manning cast, when Tom Brady goes, yeah, play man against us. Let's see what happens. And then I said on Friday, I was like, yeah, I'll be curious if they do it. Their Saints are playing some man. We'll see if they keep it. They did it. They, and the results 
we're good and bad with it. It's the results which you expect when you play man coverage against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks offense. And like that's why Chris Godwin went off. It's hard to keep up with him in the slot play after play after play. But man, they were just doing a nice mix up of stuff. And that's how you have to beat good quarterbacks. You have to mix up what you run. It's really hard to do the Seahawks of the 2010s where you just run the same shit every play. It just is. So you have to have really good players. Uh, so like with this Bucks, or I'm sorry, with the Saints defense, sometimes bringing the pressure, sometimes going man, sometimes just doing spot drop, sometimes going drop eight, you know, uh, just you know, making them just go, oh, shoot, one to two to three and getting pressure when they only bring four guys. That also or three. Or three, uh, a strip sack on top of it against a Bucks line that can kick a lot of teams' asses week in, week out. It's like that that really does something. And just how aggressive they were today, like uh, uh, the pick on the uh, well, the ball going to Tower Johnson, uh, who was that Gardner Johnson? Was, was CJJ, one. yeah. Yeah. CG, CGJ. CGJ. Yeah. CGJ. CGJ. Yeah. Gardner Johnson picked off when he was covering Tyler Johnson. But it was like on that one, it was like just a, a nice like little headiness and as well as just like the aggressiveness and playing man coverage against this Bucks offense. It was a four by one You got to make sale. a play. He you, ha- a play. you have to make a play against this team that if every once in a while, you're going to have to make a play. Take it that was one. not a bad breed by Brady. They yep. were in man coverage. Yep. He the, it had cleared out. He threw, the, he threw it exactly where he wanted to and he just made a play. He's like, I'm, I'm falling off this and I'm making a play. And it's funny because it's such an interesting contrast. Early in the game, Godwin had that huge reception, and I think it was a third down where he just roasted at him on a jerk route. Yep. And that's going to happen against this team, right? Yep. Like Brady threw four touchdowns. There were some explosive plays. There was one, the long touchdown to Cyril Grayson at the end. That's a situation where I think the Saints are doing some of that cover seven stuff where it's very rules heavy, right? Yep. Like you, how The numbers and how you count it and everything else is very rules heavy. They had a bunch of... This, they switched release, and there was a miscommunication. Yep. Lattimore went with Evans because he was number one, and then number three went vertically, and they just that's going to happen against this team. The Bucs are very smart, and they have very good players. So every once in a while, they're going to beat you, but you need to make plays. Event, you need to go above and beyond every once in a while, and that's exactly what he did there, and yep. I think that's a perfect example. I want to talk about two third and sixes okay. on two consecutive drives in the second quarter. You've kind of alluded to that. You were third and six with 14-15 in the second quarter. They lined up in that dime look that I was talking about on Friday that I love. Three defensive linemen, linebackers mugged up. They only bring, they bring five, but neither of the linebackers come. The slot comes and the safety on the other side comes. Davis books it underneath Godwin. Quan Alexander gets 10 yards of depth to get underneath Evans. And Brady... Did not does not expect this. There's pretty sticky coverage on the right side where he went with the ball with Cameron Brait against the corner on that side. Incompletion, drive over. So you have total miscommunication, confusion. Don't know where guys are coming from. You only bring five. Yeah. But you don't know which five are coming. Yes. Drive over. Later that quarter, third and six again. They drop eight. So they have the same look. They only bring three. Cam Jordan walks Tristan Wirfs, who's pretty damn good, into Brady and uses the right tackle to make Brady fumble, strip sack, drive over, turnover. So exact same situation, exact same look, two very, very different approaches. And that's what you have to do against Tom Brady. Yes. And it's just a perfect encapsulation of why this defense is a problem. Yeah. And not even just, oh, like, I mean, that, those are awesome examples because it's like they, 
they didn't play scared. Like a lot of no. times it, it's, it's hard. It's hard. And I, I, this is easy for me to say it's sitting here, but it's like, it really is hard to like go against these like good offenses, good defense and just go, you got to take it to them. You got to, you know, <laughs> block yes. it up and go at them. But it's like, no, that's or on the flip side. It's like, no, you got to blitz them. You got to vary up the looks. And it's like, but that's what the saints defense did. And they, they, like you said, they, they took their, they took their punches. Like Godwin went off. Like it's hard to keep up with this team play after play after play. But it was like when they had an opportunity to take advantage, they did. And, and also just, well, oh, the last pick six too. It's like you, you asked me on Friday too. You're like, what, what is that kind of Greg Williams defense? And because that's what, you know, uh, Dennis Allen has, has some roots in and like they'll, they'll vary it up. So it was like the robber stuff. They're reading a lot of the quarterback stuff. They're getting the quarterback to do anticipating what he wants to do and taking advantage of it. And on that last pick six, it was like Aikman kept saying, oh, that's two man. That's two man. two man. It was almost like a four man where the safeties are driving. Because yeah. they're trying to hit on those overs. And it's taking advantage well, of that's the up. thing. Every time they play too high, it's aggressive against the Bucs. They're Driving. cutting that stuff off. Yes. Yep. They say, oh, you want to hit those overs? Nope, you're not getting those overs. They're making you go outside. Outside, outside. And that's hard to win outside. By the, by the uh, last quarter, the last quarter, by the fourth quarter, uh, the Mike Evans touchdown, Brady, it, there was a man look. Like he could have read it out and like beaten man on that. And he said, screw it. I'm just going to my ex on the deep seven route on a deep corner route. And so that's what he did. That's what they're first and Tom Brady to do. They just said, screw reading this out, this high, low on the man. I'm just going to take my one-on-one and just going to go with that. But that's like speaking to the defense that you're making him shortcut stuff. It worked out. Don't get me wrong. It was Mike Evans touchdown, but you just showed that Tom Brady just said, screw it. He was hitting that button by the end of the game. Well, it's interesting because that was a three man rush. The reason yep. he had time to get to that because they only brought three guys. Three guys so eventually, be, by making things hard, by being a little bit hard to predict, you're going to put yourself in bad spots every once in a while. But yep. you have to take chances. Sometimes you're going to have to drop three have because to. you're going to get one every once in a while. Yep. The, the other thing I wanted to talk about just very quickly, the play before the strip sack, there was a, a TFL. It was a small play. It was a subtle play. But Montrevis Adams and Carl Granderson just destroyed the right side of the Bucks' offensive line and made a play about two yards deep in the backfield on second and six. And that's the other thing about this defense. We know it's Mario Davis. We know Marshawn Lattimore. We know the stars, right? Cam Jordan made a huge play in this game. They play with a uniform mentality, especially up front. And you feel that. And it's guys like Montrevis Adams and Carl Granderson and Shai Tuttle getting a key holding penalty called against him. That's what makes this defense great. And that's what you saw from them today. And I think if we kind of zoom out a little bit, this is a reminder of just how well-rounded this team is and why they're a pain in the ass to play against. Even if there was sort of a talent purge over the last couple of years just because of cap realities, and even if they're not as deep, and even if they do have some more defined holes where Kevin White's having to catch 50-yard bombs in this game. And I, freaking out after. <laughs> I would too if I were Kevin White. And that uh, that is a new reality for this team, but yeah. the reality that's transitioned over is that they're still really well coached, and they still have yes. a lot of dudes on the defensive side of the ball. Yes. The sad thing for me now is there was a world where Jameis making the throw he makes to Traquan Smith. Right? It's a great ball. Yeah. It's a great throw. Like he's aggressive. That's what their offense has been. Their passing game this year. They don't throw it a lot, but they'll get those chunks because he's willing yeah. to take them. Now, what does it look like? Because there was a path for them to be an annoyance in the NFC playoff race. And they're most likely going to get one of those wild card spots. With Jameis removed from the equation, which it sounds like he will be, now what does it look like? 
What does it look like with Taysom Hill? I don't really trust Trevor Simeon long-term. I don't know how many <laughs> roughing the passer calls you're going to get in key moments as we move forward charges, here. Man. He's taking so charges, man. He's taking charges. That's the bummer for me is because I think that Sean Payton was doing an unbelievable job. Yeah, and the overall staff was doing an unbelievable job. And now I just think the path forward is much more difficult with concerns about who your quarterback is going to be. Absolutely. I know. Just as you're starting to feel good about what the Saints were doing, it's like James goes down and you're like, ah, like, you know, like, ah, we're might have done the top five. You're like, oh, okay, maybe, uh, but it's like now that kind of like, it's, it's hard. Like you just say, it's hard to kind of like fully go like, oh yeah, this team, but they can make some noise or not make some noise, but they can be feisty. It's going to be, it's really hard to go against this defense. That's like you said, has a mentality of just ass kickers. Like that's what they are. They just have that mentality of like, we're going to take your head off, <laughs> but they do it in a very intelligent way. It's, it's really fun to watch. Well, speaking of that, let's get to the Patriots defense, which also kind of garnered our attention. Top today. three in AFC, baby. <laughs> For the second year in a row, they gave Justin Herbert a lot of trouble. Another tough day for the Chargers offense in a negative 12.4 completion percentage over expectation today. Oof. It was the third worst mark of the week. Rodgers was second worst. I mean, the passing game okay. for the Packers was not good. Darnold was the worst. So and it's fine. But it was, <laughs> yeah, not was a good, it was not a good day for the Chargers. And I think that a lot of credit deserves to be given to the Patriots defense and kind of how they went about this. Yeah, it. The four strong – okay, against the Cowboys. Cowboys ran a couple four strong concepts. I've said this like three times in the last couple of weeks. Explain what that know. is. Okay, four strong concept is a you have four routes working to one side. Um, most route concepts are three by two, you know, or you're going to isolate two on the outside and have three in the middle kind of like as a, like a triangle, inside triangle read. A four strong concept is usually like a three by one concept, a three strong, <laughs> but you just add one more. And more offenses are doing this just to overload a side, break defensive rules, make their guys communicate, especially with jet motions. The Patriots, uh, I've talked about the Belichick defense and as it's very rule oriented and they do such a good job with it. But how you kind of get them off put a little bit is kind of just breaking their rules, run unusual concepts, unusual formations, or run usual concepts from unusual formations or unusual looks. Mm -hmm. um, but against the Cowboys and the Saints, actually, the Patriots were facing these four strong concepts and the Cowboys got them a couple of times. It was a drive concept and drive is a, a, a crosser with a dig behind it. It's a little high, low concept you can do. And they got them like three times with it. And I was like, oh man, wow. Patriots didn't have answers. Wow. That's curious. Not really used to seeing that from Bill Belichick. Chargers come out first, third down, four strong, try to run a drive concept. There's Kyle Van Noy working from the line of scrimmage, just waiting, just waiting for Austin Eckler. Just like, you coming on a crosser? Come on over, buddy. It's a great, it was great example because it, that ball should have been caught. Yes. But it wasn't easy. They made everything hard today. And you can look at that play and you can think, oh, that's off his hands. Like, come on now. But every single thing was a tight window throw. Everything needed to be earned by that Chargers offense today. Yes. And I thought that that's a perfect example. I had that written down as well. Yeah. And I thought there were several moments today. We talked about last week. I was looking for it today because of it. Talking about just the inefficiency on early downs from the Chargers and how much their play action game was affected by that multiple times today where they're just getting blown up on play action on early downs. Oh, I know. And the, it was a couple different times. And it, it, this is a couple different things. So second and 10, uh, it was a 422 left in the first quarter. They run a boot concept. They leave Judon unblocked, which is normal, right? <laughs> By the way, some people were trying to gaslight me today. 
talking about boot stuff with Justin Fields. Be like, the reason that the Bears weren't using boots before is they didn't trust their right tackle because the third string right tackle. First of all, that's it was one game. Second of all, you don't block the end man on the line of scrimmage when you boot. It's the right tackle doesn't seal anything. I just, I was like, am I taking crazy pills? What are you talking about? Bootlegs like the blocking. I've said this before, but they're called elephants on parade because the offensive line just get to hang out. They just got to trot to the one direction together. The right tackle has nothing to do with sealing the backside in a boot. You can seal with someone else. You can have someone coming across. There are plenty of ways to do it. The right tackle was not involved. I was like, am I losing my mind? Anyway. So they lead Judon on blocks because that's what you do when you're booting back to the right. But the right tackle doesn't sell it at all. Norton takes one step and then sets up, right? You got to wash that thing down. Second, Herbert takes two, a half, a step and a half acting like he's going to hand off before he pulls the ball away. Judon sees it. He sees him pull the ball. So obviously he's screaming toward the quarterback. He's in his face instantly. Play gets blown up. Later in the, in the third quarter, first and 10 play action, they have Cook on the left side. Judon just crashes inside. Cook does not seal him off. It's another play action throw. As soon as Herbert's head is around, there's somebody in his face. That's the Chargers not executing in those moments. Little details from them are frustrating. Yeah. They are not as precise on offense as I would want them to be. And I think that that's just one of their issues. But when you have defensive players and a defense like the Patriots that's going to consistently take advantage of that, you see performances like today. If you give them a window, if you give them those inches consistently, they're going to take them. They're very well coached and they're very good. And I think they did that consistently today. And the Patriots are a defense because they're so well coached and they do all the study, like studies more than anybody. That's what they're famous for is self self scouting and opponent scouting is that uh, offense that can sometimes telegraph what they want to do. Uh, and like the Chargers do vary up their looks, but then there's times where it's like, well, it's hip slot. Here comes a play action. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you can. Uh, this is a which that was the good play. That's exactly yes. what they were in. They're both tight ends to that side. Yeah, and also the other things too is by our frustration a little bit sometimes with this Chargers offense is or mine too is is quick game and the, uh, quick game is fine, but they have a you know sometimes a little too much desire to run it a little, but they lean on it a little bit too much more than I would like with a quarterback like Justin Herbert that could push the ball. And you know what the Patriots did today? They dropped eight, and dropping eight yeah. is a great counter for quick game because you just put bodies in the lane. It's like playing against a two. You have to be precise and they are not precise right now. You have to beat where, and you, if you don't know where, especially with that eighth dropper is coming from, whether it's the edge or if it's a D tackle or if it's a linebacker, whatever it is on the personnel, it can really mess with those quick game. Cause you're like, okay, I'm throwing stick here. Why is the end go underneath there? Oh shoot. And guess what? Quick game is very quick one to two. And then you have to scramble and break contain. That's why Herbert, you saw a couple times, like trying to create a throw is because that, it gets squeezed, and that's what you have to do. You have to create a throwing lane. Dak did a great job of it a couple of weeks ago, or last week, but or yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Oh my God, it's all blending together. But it's, <laughs> but that's today is what happened. It was just, it was very hard. It was like they telegraphed what was going on. Totally, they just knew what was coming, and just kind of like they, it was a great game plan. It really was. A lot of balls just getting deflected off hands, but yeah. defensively, offensively. But again, that's just a lack of space to work with. They did it consistently. They brought pressures in the right moments. They had one that yep. was beautiful they where they, they brought 40. I don't know if, what 41's name. This is, I'm getting so old and washed. They brought him off the slot. I have it. When Judon crashed inside. It was it was about halfway through the third quarter. It was a third and eight. And that's yeah. the type of stuff they were doing. They didn't bring a ton of heat in this game, but they varied up the looks enough to make them really uncomfortable. Miles Bright. Miles, Miles I, Bryant. There you go. I had it. It was a three by one bunch. Yep. Third and eight, third quarter. Yeah. And they held, they, oh my God, the disguise on this one was awesome. I think I was going to, I think I tabbed this. So I wanted to write about it because it was like, 
they hid the safety backside and the other safety was like not uh when you when you bring slot pressure the the safety will kind of cap yeah, yeah, over yeah. the top of the slot yep. guy yeah patriots like that's how you I identify look, right yep yeah. and if you looked at this one you would go they're not bringing it they're stat both of the guys came really late late and way out like yes. they were he he hit it because a lot of times those slot pressure guys will start cheating especially against a bunch because they're like oh i gotta get inside the receiver so i can hit this lane he stayed and hung, 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 hung. He kind of gave it away a little bit about the, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. And you just stare straight at the receiver in front of him, you know, where they almost go cross-eyed because they're like, I'm not, I'm not blitzing. I'm not blitzing. I swear. But that's what he did. But it was, it was great. And that, when you got guys like, I have to look up his name again, even though it's right in front of me, Miles Bryant, number 41. When you have a DB work 41 <laughs> making plays like this, that really helps. I also was impressed. Uh, Christian Barmore had some plays today. Him and Judon working little games on that against the right oh, side yeah. of the Chargers offensive line, that's an advantage for the Patriots. And they consistently yep. took it they, they consistently took advantage of it. That was this type of game where when they gave New England an inch, they took a mile. Yep. New England's offense did not look great. Like it was a kind of an up and down performance from them. They needed defensive plays. They needed a great performance on that side of the ball. And they got it. So now Patriots are four and four. You have them as the third best team in the AFC. I guess. Yeah. I mean, in a world where this is it's so muddy. They suddenly become pretty interesting. I know. I couldn't believe I put them at three, and I was like, "Yeah, I like." Of all those teams we talked about, it's like I can just talk myself into them the most because it's like I see them playing good ball, and yeah. it's like I see a path where they can keep getting better. It's and that's what you want to see from a team at week eight right now. Now, and they have the tiebreaker over the Chargers now, and all Huge. those. I mean, those teams kind of bunched together there with three losses, four losses. I can understand how you can talk yourselves into them. All right. Let's get to our next one here. AJ Brown, you have my attention. Oh, boy. 10 catches, 155 yards, and a touchdown. Here's why it mattered to me today, and here's why I wanted to point this out. I thought that today was a day where the Titans' star power really shined through. They didn't play well. They were down 14 to nothing. They had some really bad turnovers. They had, I mean, also some bad breaks, multiple mm-hmm. deep pass interference penalties again for the Colts. It's the best thing they do on offense. <laughs> It's a great offense. And and the Eagles still do it too. So it must just be something in the water in Philly. So it's this very uneven day for the Titans. And they leaned on their best players. The touchdown that A.J. Brown scored is to me like the perfect A.J. Brown play. Super, super heavy. He's the only receiver on the field. He's working outside against the corner. Very physical. Gets some separation. But then in this tightrope walk down the sideline, manages to turn what should be just like a 10-yard, 12-yard catch into a 57-yard touchdown because he's gone. And he, that, that's what he does. And I think you saw today the type of complete player that he is. And like I mentioned before, that's what this team has, right? Like Even if we have a little bit of concerns about their defense overall and the holes they have in the secondary, Bayard sealed the game today. He's been great this year. Harold Landry had a drive-ending sack today on a stunt where he's just as a looper dude making just explosive on a stunt to like finish off a drive. That's what they have right now. They have like six to eight guys that are really, really good players and they're showing up for them right now. For them to win this game when they were down 14 to nothing and when Derrick Henry averaged 2.6 yards per carry, yes. that's impressive to me. I said, I, I had a note. I said, it's the brute force offense because it's just yes. our best players get the ball and then we just spam the hell out of it. It's like, when you create a player in a video game, like in Madden or NCAA, and you're like, I'm, my guy's winning the Heisman, so I'm going to make sure he just gets 35 targets every single game. That's what this offense does. And it's like, yeah, that's 
go for it. If you can do it, go for it because that's what offense, that's what good football is, right? It's just taking advantage of matchups. And really that's what AJ Brown is becoming more, even in my head, sometimes I'm like, oh, he's the inbreaker runner. He catches yak. And then he just goes and he goes after that, but he's becoming such a complete receiver. I totally agree. It's just, man, like uh, just today we look at his catches. He had a field out versus press man, you know, for the touchdown. He has a dig from the number two spot. Against, again, against press man. So he has an inbreaker and an outbreaker right there, both first press man. He has a short comeback from the outside. So he's running comeback routes now. You know, uh, he has the out from the slot against press man, against naked. Like he's winning from the outside and inside, giving you yak ability afterwards. And then he's already had proof this year where he's, you know, dunking on guys in the red zone on fade yeah. balls. Okay, that's a complete receiver. Like it's like, I mean, that's literally all three levels. He can create yak and he can win in the red zone. That's a complete receiver right there. And he can block because he's big. It's like the only comparison I have for him because it's so hard receiver-wise is more like Charles Barkley in basketball, where it's just like, you know, when Charles Barkley would get a rebound and just barrel down, that's what he is with the ball in his hand. He's just a force of nature that plays bigger than what he is. That's what what A.J. Brown is. I'm so glad you mentioned the slot stuff and where he was lining up because he's just attacking teams from everywhere. When we did our – That's the uptick. And you saw that at the end of last year when he was working against Marlon Humphrey in that wild card game. Yeah. I when we did our non-quarterback draft last earlier this year, I had him in like the top five. <laughs> it was, and it was a lot of it was based on that game. It's like this is where we saw him going, where his ability to kind of do all of these very refined, nuanced receiver things from every single alignment, combined with this force of nature ability that he has, makes him terrifying. And I think that you saw that today. And I am glad that we have the full version of AJ Brown back after yes. what the start of the season looked like. The other and guy I wanted to injuries. Yeah. And yes, whatever <laughs> going to Chipotle and hamstring injuries. I want all of that out of my life. Oh, no. I want this guy every single week. The other guy I wanted to mention was Keith Carter. If we're talking about people to mention with the, or people to pay attention with the Titans, he's their offensive line coach. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to mention him is because this team has gotten really good play out of David Cuisenberry as their full-time right tackle this year. He played six games last year as a starter because they were hurt along the offensive line last year. But we never talked about it. We never mentioned how many issues they had and the rotating door they had at tackle last year because it was never a problem. The fact that this team has just gotten consistent play from whoever they seem to put out there over the last few years and has survived offensive line injuries in the way that they have, I think that's really impressive. Like That's a topic of conversations for most teams when they have to endure those sorts of injuries. It has not been with them. And Cuisenberry is somebody I noticed again today. It's like, God, he's playing pretty well. And the fact that they're just throwing him there and they have a guy they drafted in the first round at that spot, it flames out and we don't talk about it because it's not a weakness for them, I think is a testament to how they've been able to develop that group as a whole. Especially how down the field they attack. It's not like they're running quick game 20 snaps a game. And so, so the ball gets out. That's why they don't have any pressure. It's like, no, they attack down the field. So I completely agree. I I think. Yeah, that, that's a, such a great point because it's just we do not talk about when they've had injuries. Lewa, Tyler Lewan's been banged up. I mean, it's just like and it's like, yeah, they're still like they managed to get that stuff done. It's like that's supposed to be a star for them. Like you just said, yeah. it's just like and they get these guys that just come in and play well. And that, it's, they don't all have to be stars, but they just play competently. And that speaks to coaching. When everyone has good eyes, backups are coming in and they know what to do. They're pointing. Usually that's good coaching going on. <laughs> I mean, that game against Buffalo where he had, he went out and they kept just rolling on the ground. Oh. It's like, that is very impressive. That is something a lot of teams cannot pull off. Yeah. All right. Are you ready? It's, it's time to talk about the man this week. It is time for the State Farm Surprisingly Great Performance of the Week. 
presented by State Farm. There's only one way we could go with this, man. Only Mike one White, way. take a bow. Take a bow, Mike White. What the hell was that? Like, <laughs> I loved it. I, I don't know I, yeah. what it was, but I absolutely loved it. I don't think anyone expected a guy with no career starts to come in and light up a defense that four tormented bills. Lamar Jackson last week. And just and just toss up four bills, you know, four hundred yards. Yeah, why not? Like, sure, why not? See what happens when you play Denzel Mims. You know, this is just this is the good things that happen. <laughs> You're playing the long game here. Big time payoff for you down the road. I'm going to get there. So I was looking at the numbers. And before I dug back into the game, I I looked at the numbers initially. It was 3.67 air yards per attempt. Okay. 277 of his yards came after the catch. 20% of his throws traveled over 10 yards in the air. So when I saw that, as I was rewatching the first quarter, I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe this is just not as impressive as the numbers would have you believe. Were there a lot of screens? Were there a lot of yak throws? Yes. He also made half a dozen throws in this game that won them the game. This isn't an upset where, oh, you know, the Bengals got in a hole early and everything went wrong. It wasn't like that at all. They were winning by 11 points with seven minutes left in this game. This could have gone up in smoke, and it didn't because the Jets offense continued to make plays. And that's what exactly what you're saying right now is that like, it's not like it was like, oh, screens. And then it was like, oh, 350 yards was just screens. And it was like a 90 yard catch and run missed tackle. It's like everything he was throwing was like on time. Like he was going like, he was going high, low on stuff. And it was like all like in rhythm. And that's why the backs had so much great room to operate. Shout out to Michael Carter, a draft favorite. But it was like working underneath. It was because he was letting the, the Bengals defense sink. And so there's yes. sinking and then, and then you just find it underneath because he was willing to work downfield. And it wasn't like he was just checking it down because then he was hitting seam balls. He hit some digs and then also two inbreakers late in the second half, just ripping them. He had the glance him. to Denzel, uh, the, to Mims, I believe. And then he had another inbreaker to Crowder where he just yep. letting that thing rip. Yep. I was like, okay, all right, right foot, Mike White. The, yep. I know the eyes going to the right spot. I was like, sweet. Like he, he had a naked going to the left and you could see him. Because Nakeds is just the one to two to three, you know, underneath, mid, deep. And he's just going one, two, three. And he hits the over coming to back. And I was like, good for you, man. Working to your left. Like, you could do that, I guess. Like, where the hell did this come from? But, you know, they the players played well. But it was the fact that they could run what they wanted to run. They were going like 989 with him. Like, the pick six, he's trying to check it down. Oh, it wasn't a pick six. I'm sorry. But the tip ball that turned into interception. Mm-hmm. It's 989. He's letting his, he's trying to work it. And he checks it down. And he just gets unfortunately just gets tipped up but it's like the process was all good yeah. it was just bad luck so it's not even like it was like wow he got lucky the whole day the barrios throw was awesome as well oh, what and a catch. what a play what a throw what? like back trotting left and whips it left and oh, wait, just, against like, pressure they brought against six guys on that play he needed to throw it off his back foot time. incredible yep. ball placement and that was right after the play before he threw that missile to keelan cole that yep. keelan cole caught with one hand one by hand. the way I we've I've had this conversation before. I think Brandon Lloyd is the answer, but I want somebody to do a deep dive on the best ratio in NFL history of just insane catches to total catches. Like how many of your catches are all time highlights? Keelan Cole's in the top five. Like every <laughs> single every fifth Keelan Cole catch is the best play any other receiver has ever made in their entire life. That was an incredible play. He stabbed it with one hand for a touchdown and just happened to lose control as he was coming to the ground. I know. But on the next play, on the next play, he throws a dart to Barrios at the pylon with pressure in his face. 
and it was like it that's a big boy throw yes that's like you have to make those throws that's the red zone they're going to heat you up you have to the db i mean the receiver has to win against man but then you have to throw it to a spot and he's going left and he did it it was like sure like sure like you know way to go mike white and it was like yes the players other players played well like Michael Carter did have a nice game. Like, and like you said, the Cole catch. Ty Johnson, his Ty Johnson's touchdown was awesome. Nice play. And it's like, yes, they did well. But I mean, he was doing stuff that was what his players like make plays. And as a quarterback, if you're not going to be the star, even though he threw for four bills and whatever today, if you're not going to be the guy, it's like, let your players be unlocked. Let your teammates do what they are good at with the ball in their hands. That's being a good quarterback. It's like, hey, I'm going to get the ball out. I'm going to put it in the spot to let you make a play and go. Hey, they won the game. That, I mean, he played legitimately well. It wasn't just like a pure luck fest the entire day. I totally agree. I went, I went back and watched. I was very impressed. I was much more impressed than Shut. I expected to be. I know. So I now, single screened that game for a while. Like I just like I turned. I had red zone on my computer there on my monitor here, and I just single screened it, put it on. I went back and watched every Mike throw, every Mike White throw today, and I left feeling very differently than I might have expected coming into it. So now. I don't think Robert Sala did himself any favors with how he handled this What's after the game. <laughs> I, so I, I don't know what the question was. You take, Pulling these quotes one at a time piecemeal is sometimes difficult. But him saying that you never rule anything out when it comes to what Mike White's status is going to be for the long term when you draft a guy second overall. I think we know, but what a great moment for Mike White. For as long as he's going to be the quarterback, I, I don't know. It's, it's worth getting excited about if you're a Jets fan. Like this yeah. is something this was very fun. And now you get a national spotlight for Mike White on Thursday night. We know he's going to start again. It is where all comes crashing down. No, it's I mean, I love the the game ball afterwards. You could tell the team was fired up for him. And it's like, that's it's cool. It really is. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know about uh, throwing some gasoline on the QB controversy fire for whatever reason with your rookie quarterback who's been struggling with doing all the things we just said Mike White was doing. Oh, last. goodness. Yeah, we're not even halfway home, and they got that going for them. So let's let's go for it. A great moment for the Jets somehow is complicated. All right, guys. Remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Get a quote today. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Why don't you explain this to me like I am an eight-year-old? All right, every week, we like to talk about something that needs some explanation, something that Teams struggle, a unit struggle. It's like, kind of t- tell me more about this. Like, how did this actually happen? This was hard to come up with one this week. I'll be honest, because a lot of the teams that fell flat, we expect to fall flat. I don't need to pile on the Falcons. 
<laughs> at this stage of things. We don't need to talk about the Lions getting blown out by the Eagles, right? Maybe the Vikings might have been the answer to this if we hadn't planned the show before the Sunday night game. But the thing I landed on just because of the expectations we have for this team is something that we've talked about a decent amount on the show this year. And that's the Browns offense, right? Yeah. The Browns offense scores. Let me look at the number here, which I don't have in front of me. The Browns offense scores 10 points against the Steelers. They lose a game 15 to 10. This is not the type of team we expected Cleveland to be coming into the season, right? And Baker Mayfield played okay, but I just didn't expect it to look this hard for the Browns offense consistently. When you watch them, it just feels disjointed. It feels difficult. The Steelers defense deserves a lot of credit for that. We'll get into some of those examples, but I just felt disappointed again watching them today. It's like, man, this team is four and four. They're struggling. They, I don't really think they have a clear path out of this. Odell Beckham is just a non-factor. They look sloppy at times. I don't know what their offensive identity is. Like they just they lack flexibility. With the way we talk about other teams and why we think the Bills are the best team in the AFC, or why we talk about those NFC teams in these glowing terms, is because you know what we can pivot to this. If we can't do this, then we can do that. And I just don't feel that way about Cleveland's offense right now. And I don't know how to pinpoint exactly why that is, but that's just the overall sense I get when I watch them. It's anytime they're on offense and they're not in heavy personnel, you're just like, yeah, when they're spread out, it's like, yick, yick, exactly. And that's what you're saying about pivoting to win. That is being a true contender, not just like, oh, we might make the playoffs, but like a true final four team is how we have to find a different way to win, no matter what the circumstances are. Because the weather is not always going to be perfect. The refs aren't going to be always going your way. You're not going to be catching every ball. The blocks aren't going to be always there. You're not always going to be healthy. And that's what just this offense just has like no synergy. It's like run game wise. It's like, yes, it all makes sense. When they're in 12 and 13 personnel, yes, we love it. It looks great. And as soon as they get into 11 personnel or they start going spread when it's not the heavy personnel spread where they can get a defensive base. Like their kryptonite is sub defensive personnel. As soon as the defense gets a nickel, they're like, we're screwed. Like we, and it's, it's kind of weird. It's like you, Oh, well, okay. Well, Landry's been hurt, but he's getting healthy. Okay. We got OBJ. He can win one-on-ones, but then if you want to run a quick game, you can't run anything over the short area over the middle. The ball's not going to get completed because Baker's not good at those. Baker is, I'm going to make the joke again. He's rust without the athleticism. That's, that little area of the field is dead. <laughs> so what's OBJ best at? Slants in breakers where he can run and yeah. get away from guys. Baker's not good at throwing those. Baker is an out ball thrower. He is a deep curl, out route, corner ball thrower because he has to see it outside. And so this team is so game team is so game script dependent. And that's just kind of what the path they're on right now. And it's kind of, it sucks because <laughs> you like, you love the line when they're healthy and like, you like a lot of the pieces, but then it's just like, they're just so limited as soon as they have to drop back and pass, as soon as they have to just do anything that's like working the middle of the field, it just feels like it's so, so hard. I totally agree. And I think that when you watch them, part of me, especially on third down, when you're sitting there and again, against the Steelers, maybe this isn't the best answer, but just overall, it's like. I want to see a stack or a bunch or something. Yeah. Where it's just, but I, my thought is, and this is just me reading into it, I think they believe he needs it spread out so he can see it. And so if your quarterback needs to see this a certain way and that doesn't allow you to create separation for your receivers, you kind of run into this static world on third down 
where it just feels so stagnant and flat yeah. all the time. And that's what it felt like again today. And then you combine that with them getting whipped up front in a way we don't normally see, yes. right? Losing Conklin early in the game and coming into this, it's all. it would have been better if he hadn't even played. Because then at least you have a baked-in plan for how to help out your right tackle. But now when you do it midstream, they have Hans, yep. Blake Hans, Blake Hans, one-on-one. Is that his name? Yes. Exactly. They have Blake Hans. <laughs> it is. They, and he's been great in the run game, by the way. He is there. They've been able to run the ball consistently, even with him in the game for the last couple of weeks when Wills has been out or when Conklin's been out. He's been very good there. But he can't block TJ Watt one-on-one. And that's not his fault. <laughs> but having to kind of adjust to that in the middle of the game is difficult. That came up a couple times. The Steelers interior of their defensive line was awesome today. Like Chris Wormley and guys like that. Obviously, Hayward's a great player, but yeah. just the amount of control they had where they're playing head up, controlling guys, not allowing any movement side to side. They It was very, very hard for the Browns to run in this game. Yeah. And when you're not winning up front and when your passing game is as lifeless and stagnant as theirs tends to be, you run out of advantages. And I think that's exactly what we saw today. And I just, the reason I want to talk about this and the reason I kind of back to this is I just don't know what they do now. Like yeah. what, what is the path out of here this season? Because our expectations for them were so high coming into the year and it just feels so hard for them right now. It does. It, I just want to speak real quick about like the adjusting stuff. Like when you're, this is why a guy like being banged up and then going out and you have to play your backup. And then like when you put a game plan together and you're playing a, a game plan together against a defensive end, especially that could truly wreck your game on offense, like a TJ Watt. When I was with the Raiders, it was Von Miller. It's you have to put together every drop back pass and go like, okay, if we're doing a five step or a seven step, we have to give chip help to the right tackle. Okay. We have to play. We have to do the formations formations on your game plan will be left hash and right hash. Some are left hash only, some are right hash only. Some are like, oh, we don't care. We can just run on either hash. But sometimes when you have a really, really, really good end, you can't get certain formations because it's an open side. Yeah. So all of a sudden that guy gets out and it's like, oh man, well, we can't run that. We can't run that. And then sometimes the play caller just was like, oh, he totally forgets. And it's just like, oh, that's right. Conklin's out. I totally forgot, guys. I forgot to bring chip help over there, blah, blah, blah. It's just extra effort everybody has to make. And that's what it does. That's what good players do on other teams to you on offense or defense. But this this offense, it's all the negatives from last year. It's just like almost like it's like times five now. It's like they're bad. It looks even worse now. It's every time they drop back when there's not that play action, it's not some you know half roll shot play. Or anything where it requires some high low over the middle, it is everything's a one and done read, and it's not like where it's a one and done read where it's like okay, here comes some fun creation. It's like panic time. It's it, so it was, panicky. Watching Big Ben and Baker today was like this is not fun. Quarterback. It's play. crazy like, how different it felt watching Mike White compared right. to watching Baker Mayfield, and that yeah. is so terrifying. <laughs> right. It's like it's plant. There, there's breaking contain and being chaotic like a Josh Allen, but it's like planned chaos. It's organized chaos where it's like he's still in control. Like he's understanding, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm still on a clock and he's worked to get to that. He's also Baker. a supernova of talent. <laughs> but that's what, hey, big athletes, man. But that's that, that's the thing with, with a Baker. He comes out. It's like his head's going every which way. The ball's getting pumped 15 yes. times and he's not athletic enough to do that. And the fact that he hasn't realized what his own ceiling is, self-awareness is such a skill. Knowing how do you win as a player is such an ability, mentally and physically, just knowing that. And 
the fact that he doesn't understand that's not what I am with a banged up shoulder on top of that. It's like, come on, man. Like, you know, we, you got, you got to get that clock churning, but get in the playbook and understand what's one to two on this play because it's just, everything seems so panicky as soon as the training wheels come off, which is and the, scary. They, when things get muddy quickly for them, he starts to disintegrate. And that happened a lot today. Yep. 96, whose name I don't know. I'm really bad with names today. 96 got like instant penetration on a couple pass plays. And as soon as he gets a little bit skittish, the play is over. Louder Milk had a really nice play. Just random yeah. guys Go are Badgers. making plays for our <laughs> No idea where he went to college. Are making plays for that Steelers defense. And just little tiny things today. Like Beckham getting a little bit of alligator arms on that ball over the middle of the field. He does that. And Joku <laughs> had some really rough moments as a run blocker today. And they, they just can't have that. They cannot have those slip-ups because their margin for error right now is so, so small. Yep. And so it's, where it's a reflection on their quarterback, though. Like, yes. you know what I mean? Like, we watched the Chargers and watching how hard that Chargers offense seems today, you see Justin Herbert make three free runners miss and then get a ball off. And not, it, it turns in from a 10-yard sack to a first down. And it's like, that's because that's what Justin Herbert can do. And that's what having a big athletic quarterback, that can, they, they can do those things. They create something when it's hard. The Browns offense has to be perfect for Baker. And it's like, and but that's the thing. It's hard to be perfect every single play. And But that's what he's making them do. Especially against a team with really good talent. And that's really well coached on the defensive yes, side of the ball. Yes. The one play where Watts sack that he had, he might have more than one, but the one that I remember, they did try to chip him. Johnson was over to that side. Oh, he he spun inside. inside. <laughs> he spun inside so quickly that the running back didn't even touch him. Yep. And that's there's nothing you could do about that. No. You're, you're, you're counting the, for it and you still can't do anything about it. The right tackle was setting slow because he knows he has outside yes. chip help. So he's setting slow and he's still got beat inside. It was like, yeah, that's that's just a talent gap right there. Yeah, that guy's <laughs> an alien from another planet. Yeah. So where are you at on the Steelers right now? Because it just feels like their defense is going to be able to keep doing this for them. And I just have zero faith in their ability to move the ball. And you can only win so many games 15 to 10 when Jarvis Landry fumbles at the end. And you probably could have lost a bunch of different times. The fact that the score was 15 to 10. Oh, yeah. They ran the fake kick. And Boswell got his oh, my God on it. Oh, man. The history oh, yeah. of specialists getting lit up in uh, Chiefs or excuse me, in Steelers Browns games is storied at this point. Punters getting kicked in the face. Yeah, kicker kickers getting lit up on fake field goals. No specialists are safe in those in AFC North battles, man. It's like everybody. It's it's the new black and blue division, man. It's like even the kickers and punters are are fair game. But I I think as the Steelers as a whole, it's kind of it's much as I love their defense. It's just always just gonna be like I see Big Ben just being Big Ben, and it's just I I can't <laughs> checking it's, down can't. two point conversions, dude. What was that? <laughs> just sail it. Hit the crossbar. Play a game with yourself. It was yourself incredible. Hit the crossbar. It was absolutely incredible. Like in like one and a half seconds too. Zero like, downside. And just checking it down. Just. Uh, 10 yards short of the sticks on a two-point conversion. So how am I on the Steelers? Yeah, right there. That plays how I am with the Steelers. It's like they're, they're feisty. Their defense is going to like kick some ass this year. Like their their defense is legitimately fun to watch. It's just that as, as long as Big Ben's back there, they are limited. One other thing I wanted to mention, the Browns on fourth down this year, it has been nightmarish. Yeah. They are seven of 17. They were there. I think they're seven of 18 on okay. fourth down this year after, after this game. They're 23rd in EPA per play on fourth down. They go for it as much as any other team in the league. They've been miserable on fourth down this year. And I think it's starting to make them a little bit apprehensive about it because they had yep. a fourth and one from midfield and they took a delay game and punted. You did not so see weird. that from them 
over no. the first seven weeks of the season. He has been steadfast about committing to, we're going to do this. We're going to keep yep. going for it. And I think not getting that fourth and one early in the game, Bryant, they, they had it blocked up. They had Bryant as a fullback oh, in the backfield. Yeah. He was leading up on the linebacker, just completely whiffs. Should have been an easy like one or two yard gain. Keep going, drive, and he just totally. And that's what happened today. They just had so many plays like that where it's Njoku missing a block or Bryant missing a block or Jarvis Landry dropping a ball or just a ball off of Rashard Higgins' hands. It, it just feels hard hey, for them right now. We talk about what good teams and bad difference. Uh, they're not a bad team, but difference between the good team stepping up is those role players. Those role yes. players step up. And not only are they they're at least average or net neutral when they're those role players are negatives. And it's okay. One or two can be because that's there's a bunch of role players on our team. But when it, you need those role players to be positives. And if they're negatives for you, that's when it's like, oh boy, that's really hard. Because then, then it requires your stars to step up. And then you look at this Browns team, you're like, who are the stars on offense? Other than, you know, of course, Nick Chubb. But <laughs> that's but it, though. Like, I mean, that, that, he is the only guy on that offense playing like a star. Yeah. And I think that's a really big deal. It is. When you have other teams in the AFC and other teams, just period, that have, th- like the Titans, for example, right? Yeah. The Titans have real star power at several different spots. And it just doesn't feel like the Browns have that right now. They don't have an AJ Brown. And I think that we could see some changes for them in their wide receiver spots. I truly, I just, I think that that's oh, yeah. what could that's be coming right. because the way that things are currently <laughs> constructed right now, it's expensive and it is not really working. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the, did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You guys talk about being students of the game. I am the game, JR. All right. It's time to decide who's got the belt for week eight. This is a hard one. There weren't many clear options. I'm going to give it to Amari Cooper because he made two monster plays at the end of that game from the Titans or from the Cowboys. And I don't know if they win that game without either of those catches. And I think it's an indication that this team has 
again, star power on it. Even without Zach Prescott, they have a guy like that where it's like, all right, you know what? Our receiver is going to take over in the most important moments of this game. And they win a game they probably shouldn't have won with their backup quarterback. And now they just keep on rolling. <laughs> That's ex- I, I can't believe I just keep peeking at that score as we were getting ready. And I was just like, like they're still in it. Yeah. Cowboys are just still in it. I just kept peeking like a couple minutes, watch a game, watch a game. I was like, oh, wow. And I, I had the game muted for a minute as I was typing stuff up. And I was like, oh, my God, they, they're, they're about to win. And it was Mari dunking on him in the red zone. And That's exactly what it was. He dunked on him. That is a, I'm just going to go up and get this ball. It was an incredible yes. play. It was. It was pure. It was like he knew he was going to do a pre-snap. He was like, I'm dunking on you right after, like, as this as this play is about to break. And with Amari this year, it's, it happened a little bit last year. It was almost like this belt could go on the CD Lamb as well, or like a tag team titles with those two. Because what they're doing with Amari, kind of using him as a Z going inside and out. And Amari's, a, Amari's on the all time. <laughs> yeah, right. But Amari's on the all, uh, he's on the, you don't realize how big he is squad. Like, Ooh. we're going to have a we're gonna have a good name for it. Taller than like, you think, all stars. Bigger than you think, all stars, because he just has the size. The fact that he's like he was to top scrap, five pick, his former first round pick, who just got this big deal. Like all of a sudden, he's willing to scrap and block now. It just speaks to what this Cowboys offense is, because it's just a whole bunch of stars that are playing role playing for each other. Which is, I mean, they they go supernova, and that's just that's not even talking about their offensive line. Not even talking about Zeke, Tony Pollard. They're two tight ends who are playing awesome. Ooh, also that heavy person that lining up Lyle Collins and McGovern in the backfield today. It's what I like to see. Gotta love it. Huge win for them. I, if we later in the week, we're gonna talk with Vikings. Cause I think we probably should have a Vikings conversation at the, after that game. Yeah. We also are going to talk more about the Eagles. We didn't talk about that game at all today. Ben Solak is going to come on the mailbag tomorrow. So we're obviously going to do a lot of Eagles chatter. So please send in your questions either by email at athletic football show at gmail.com or give us a call. Leave us a voicemail 872-222-7073. The other thing I wanted, I wanted to mention the name of number 96 on the Steelers because I felt bad. His name is Isaiah Bugs. I'm very upset that I did not remember that. He had a couple yeah, nice moments today. So just wanted to shout that out. He deserved it. The, the entire Steelers front deserved it. So I wanted Thank to you. give them their proper due. As always, guys, we really appreciate you guys listening. Please check back this week. Again, we will record the mailbag tomorrow. That'll be running on Tuesday with Ben. We'll have Mitchell Schwartz for you this week. Bill Barnwell is going to be coming on the show on Wednesday to do a midweek sort of, excuse me, a midseason sort of check-in. So please come back and check all of that out. In the meantime, please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. I would sincerely appreciate that. Please subscribe to The Athletic. It's theathletic.com slash football show. Please go check out Nate's Substack silent count he's doing something every single week that is worth reading if you are not reading that i highly encourage you to do it for now we're going to say good night appreciate you guys listening happy halloween we'll talk to you later this was the athletic football show as you've probably heard by now we've teamed up with betmgm this season we'll be using betmgm lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet use bonus code the athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to the athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with betmgm here's how it works Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.